So welcome to the next episode of Making Sense of Humans at Work. And today, Clive, I'd really like us to discuss making sense of failure, which sounds a bit morbid and a bit negative, but it's that funny time of year where people have set themselves quite high expectations for January and for what they want to achieve over the next year. And then you start seeing all of the comments about how people aren't quite yet meeting those expectations, are disappointed and not sticking to things. And I see this in coaching all the time where people are really determined and keen to do certain things, to make certain changes, but just don't stick to them. And then we label that as a failure on ourselves. And sometimes I think, why do we set ourselves up for these failures? What does it mean to us? And how can we prevent ourselves from failing if it's something that we really want to achieve? And and to be honest, I have to hold my hands up. I have failed already in some of the tasks I set myself for January. I have failed to still book my Christmas meal, which was due in December. And it's hopefully going to take place next, uh, next weekend. But... Um, I'm not beating myself up about it too much because I do understand um, that I can't do everything and that I really need to be clear uh, about what it is that's most important that I want to achieve, not everything I want to achieve. So I think it'd be useful to kick off with what is failure? Okay, that's a big question. Um, so taking the context that you just explained there, you know, I think that may be different to some other contexts where people really do want to succeed and Because I think when we're talking about, let's loosely call it New Year resolutions, the question is, do people really want it? Do they want it enough? You know, and I think in most cases, it's just guilt speaking. And of course, guilt is, uh, yes, it's a powerful feeling, but it's very temporary in this context. And as that drops away, it's very easy to give in. Uh, And look at people's reactions when they give in. They, They sort of nervously laugh it off. But it's not that important. So it wasn't that important in the first place. Mm. It's just an annoyance, you know. And I think people need to be, I think, probably more honest with themselves about, you know, the changes they really want to make um, because it needs to have a platform of sustainability. You know, and in most cases, the, the new year type stuff doesn't have sustainability, you know, because it's, it is about this guilt feeling. So it's like, how can I choose the best action that I can sustain and carry on with, even if it means in the beginning, it's just baby steps. Um, and in general, baby steps pay off much better than big steps. Mm. You know, when if big steps tends to be when life forces new circumstances on us and we have to change, you know, somebody's mm-hmm. ill or so, you know, some life changing event. And then it's a very different change process, you know. But when we're talking about this stuff that we quite like to do, but to be honest, we can't really be bothered, then it's, it's, it's very different, you know, and I think mostly yeah. resolutions drop into that context. Yeah, I think that's a really good distinction. And, and I think that question, is it something you really want to do and why is critical? And I, and I totally agree with the small steps. And one of the things I say in training and coaching is take away as, as little as possible from this, as long as you implement it, don't try and take away too much, because you won't do it. And It sounds a bit counterintuitive, but that's the way it works for me. And that's the way I've seen it work uh, for lots of other people who want to make change happen. Mm. I can totally relate as well to what you were saying about enforced change when big things happen. You know, burnout is one of those examples. You know, when someone experiences burnout, they have no choice but to change or or become iller, if that's a word. Mm. Those decisions, to some extent, are then taken out of our hands. I think 
that the difficulty lies with defining what it is you really want to achieve, why you want to achieve it. Because again, I've seen lots of people want to make changes because they think it's the right thing to do, as beca- as opposed to because it is the right thing for them. Absolutely. And then setting out a plan of action about how to achieve it, which is non-negotiable. I talk about mm. non-negotiables quite a lot when I do coaching. And when I did my running challenge, you know, remember my crazy yeah. running challenge, which I'm very glad is over. You know, yeah. I did those 52 half marathons in 52 weeks and I had everyone planned out and it was not negotiable. And it, had there been any element of negotiation in that, it wouldn't have happened. But I had made it my priority um, for the year and I achieved it. But I still had to resist lots of things like negative mental chatter, even after having done, you know, over half of them, my brain was still telling me, you can't do this. It's going to be hard. Um, does it really matter? Why does our brain tell us these things are almost counterintuitive to what we want to achieve? Because well, it's trying to protect us and it likes familiarity. So anything that takes it out of its comfort space is going to cause it a challenge and needs more energy. And that's why, you know, when we face genuine challenges, we have to be energetically up for it. You know, the brain likes to operate in coasting mode. So it's like, yeah, you know, give me the familiar stuff. I can just take my time over it and, you know, just do the things I always do, you know, and that functions in different parts of the cortex. But when you are in a situation when you have to change, it has to be backed up by something very deep inside, you know. So you, it's no longer a case of, okay, as you say, you know, I'm going to do something because I feel guilty about it or because I think I should, that's not deep enough. You know, it needs to be backed up both at the emotional and instinctive level, which is saying, yes, this makes absolute sense for me. And I think in a coaching situation, the the challenge for both the coachee and the coach is that they can become transactional, Mm. you know, so that a person will sign up to something or they're looking for the coach to give them a solution. Um, and that doesn't work because the coach should just help them to understand themselves better and find out, you know, what's really going on and what will trigger their passion. Because any significant change needs passion and it needs resilience. You know, so two people, I think, sign up for the easy things and it doesn't work. You know, so they, and you get a level of fatigue that comes with that because there's not the commitment. Yeah. I mean, I've seen lots of people set themselves up for failure with um, change by making it too complicated. And a silly, I suppose a silly example is uh, I have a friend uh, who's a mum and she wants to get fit. And so she joined a gym that's a 45 minute dr- drive away from the house. Yeah. And I just, I didn't say anything, but I was, why would you put that barrier in your way to achieving what you want to achieve, which is going to not help you at all. And I think some of uh, making change happen and, you know, preventing this failure, like you say, is just making things as easy as possible and as small as possible in terms of steps for us Hmm. to achieve it. But, you know, if you take my running challenge again, I did that over 52 weeks. And there are some, you know, books and research and literature out there that say things like it takes 66 days to embed change and all that sort of thing. That wasn't my experience. My experience was I still had just as much negative mental self-talk, for example, at the end as I did at the start. I could just manage it better. I could tell it to go away quicker. But it was still there. I'm not sure that I agree with these sort of set timeframes around when change is embedded. Do you have any view on that? Well, let me ask, why did you keep going? 
my commitment to myself to achieve it and accountability I thought was very important as well so I was raising money for charity along the way so I suppose that was my accountability partner in it Um, so I was doing it for myself to be honest first and foremost but I had that extra weight of responsibility to the people who were sponsoring me to keep going as well. Hmm. Which is excellent. So there's a nice fit there, if you like, at both a, a emotional and an instinctive level, you know, which which is cool. And it's, yeah, the rational stuff is the planning. You know, as you say, if you are really serious about something, then make sure you plan it to make sure that it is sustainable. But it's so important that these things, you know, it spurs instincts inside of us, you know, because that, that's the power play. And if instinctively we know that something is right for us, it's, it's then a matter of constructing a plan that'll keep us on that track. Yeah, you're, you're bound to anything that forces out of a comfort zone is going to have challenges along the way. But that's precisely why we need to, to be passionate about mm-hmm. it. You know, there's a, the science basically says that, you know, we grow the most when we're just outside our comfort zone. That's when the, that's where the brain is yeah. challenged, but it's in reach. So it, it'll go for it. If it's out of reach, it'll just flip back into survival mode. Yeah. And, I, you know, another piece, I think, with these New Year resolutions is people put up things that they're not really committed to, and therefore it feels like it's out of reach. So as soon as it gets difficult, they say, oh, well, I didn't really mean it anyway. So, you know, you step down and the challenge is yeah. over. So, but there's another caveat I'd want to put into this. You know, we're talking about failure, and I think it's important to say that, look, failure is only failure when we learn nothing from it. And it's, it's even worse. It compounds the error, if you like, if you try something and fail and then just dismiss it. If the lesson from that is, well, I wasn't serious in the first place, then the learning is get serious next time. Either don't bother because there's no point, right? But if you're going to choose something, choose something that, that matters because you will need that emotional and instinctive bedrock to get you through it. Mm. So... And let's, you know, back to the other circumstance when the big things happen in life is that so often I've come across people who were fundamentally shaped by the big challenges in their life. Normally when things come along and happen to them and it's almost like a sink or swim type experience. So in those circumstances, whatever we learn about ourselves and what it takes to conjure up our own resilience is vital. You know, so there's always opportunity so the general message for the new res- resolutions is stop messing about. You know, <laughs> it's it's make your mind up and choose something. I don't care if it's January or if it's July. Choose something that's really going to matter to you because your internal resources are going to be called on if there's anything with any significance. Yeah, actually, that's one of the pieces of uh, feedback I get in coaching. Again, is it's hard. <laughs> it's harder if you don't believe in it right yeah exactly like oh god i'd love it if we could just stay in our comfort zones in that in that cruise control and then still achieve everything we want to but it's just but we see from an evolutionary context we can't do that you know it's very dangerous for us to stand still we stagnate and our brain is geared for the next influence Mm. you know it's the thrive instinct it's like i want to grow you know but i've got to find the right way and and know that it's really important for me and yeah you know something may be hard because it is genuinely hard but equally because as you touched on earlier on it because somebody's trying to run to somebody else's agenda all right and it's got to matter to you Mm. so you know don't in coaching conversations my advice to all people is don't rush for the solution 
you know, we're so results oriented in, in the corporate world. It's like, oh, you know, here's the problem. Give me a solution. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know, you've got to work out the solution for you at a deeper level. So, yeah, it can be about baby steps, but those baby steps need to be facing in a consistent direction. Yeah. So what is the direction? What does it look like at the end of this challenge? You know, what does success look like? Is that something you can see, you can feel? You know, it, it's, it's, it's happening in your body. Yeah. And then the baby steps are all about, you know, being patient and consistent with how I get there. And recognizing it's, it's more likely to be two steps forwards and one back than just one step forward every day. Yeah. But if the belief is there, it'll get you through. Yeah. And that word patience. I, I use that so much because, unfortunately, again, in, I talk a lot about coaching here because it's quite relevant to why people come to coaching. They want to change something. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. But they have three sessions or four sessions and they have a change they want to achieve. And sometimes that's possible, depending on what it is. But often with these you know, embedded personal behaviours that they want to change, people get really frustrated by why it's happening, not happening quickly enough. But also the excuses that you hear for not having stuck to what it is you said you were going to do differently. And I think that yep. was one for me in my challenge was there were no excuses allowed. I wasn't, unless I was literally physically incapable of going, which would have been out of my control. Yeah. There was no excuse that was allowed that would stop me going um, for that run every week. And you can take that principle across any change I think you know if you like you said if you really believe in it you really want to do it you really think it's in your best interests then you have to address those excuses as they come up and resist them and I do think it takes a lot of energy we've talked about energy on other podcasts uh, and I've always thought resilience is the art of energy management um, and and making sure we've got the resistance and the um, ability to overcome you know, the hurdles we face when we're trying to change, when we're trying to do it, 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 that is hard, you know, making sure that you are alert to all the obstacles you're going to subconsciously or consciously put in your way all the time. And it makes you think, you know, why, do, why does our, our brain or our body resist it so much when we potentially think this, this course of action is good for us? But, you know, as you said, we're programmed to be a particular way through our life experiences. And what we're doing, I suppose, if you take the human out of it, is just trying to change course in a computer program that doesn't know what the new program is yet, hmm. almost. I think there's a major challenge here around self-awareness, you know, which is something I feel very strongly about at the moment. And it's, it's recognising that when we look at ourselves, that you were touching on there, it's like recognising we're not one fixed piece. You know, our brain is this whole combination of instincts, thoughts, and emotions that sometimes work together, but more often work against each other. So, you know, how often have we been caught in a situation when there's an instinctive pull to do or not to do something, and we have that battle with the mental piece, which is saying we should do it or shouldn't do it, all right? And instincts are very, very powerful, you know, much more powerful than thoughts when they engage, right? So part of this journey is all about understanding, okay, so... If I can just take a fresh look at myself, if I can get into that reflective space and try to understand when my instincts, emotions, and thoughts are in play and the impact that they have on each other, then if I understand that better, I can give myself better choices. So to me, that's the, you know, that's the longer-term route that coaching or any form of you know, facilitation or whatever it is about. It all starts with understanding yourself mm. You know what it is that drives you because if you are 
backing the wrong drivers, you're always going to struggle. Yeah. I think we've said this before as well, but everything that we talk about really starts with that piece, doesn't it? The, the self-awareness, everything Absolutely. starts with you. And then you go from there because as soon as we go to other people, places or things, you you put in to play obstacles, I think, um, against what you're trying to achieve. Uh, something you talked about earlier as well about um, comparing yourself to others. It wasn't quite the words you used, but it was something along those lines or, or using other people's expectations to drive what we think we want to achieve. I find it interesting going into inspirational talks and that sort of thing as well, because the reason my 52 week running challenge came about was because I had felt like I was starting to compare myself to other people again. And then I thought to myself, I can't achieve those things. I don't feel like I could achieve those things. And that, then that sense of failure started creeping in. So, you know, I had to have a good talk with myself and say, those people aren't me. The things that they can achieve, I'm never going to walk up Everest. I'm never going to sail around the world on a plank of wood. You know, all these crazy things that people do, which are amazing and great for them, aren't necessarily relatable to other people. And I think there's a trap there that we fall into being inspired and motivated by things and people that aren't us or aren't relatable to things that we actually want to do or can achieve physically or mentally or whatever it is. And that's why I did that running challenge, because I had to bring myself back to reality. What is a challenge for me? What is what what is something that I can achieve that I want to do um, that is outside of my comfort zone, but will give me that sense of success? Um, at the end and push me beyond my own personal limits and yeah. it didn't matter whether anyone else had done it no one else had done it um or anything like that and I think there's a missing gap there of uh, knowledge for people that they just need to look at themselves and compare themselves to themselves in in this sort of change situation mm. so that they set their their goals and their drivers around what's right for them and they don't measure their success or failure by what other people can do mm. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's easy to spot a couple of things with your challenge there that, that, you know, gave you favorable odds on that, which is, you know, number one, you know, you can run and, you know, starting with something which is you, you believe in, you know, your own capability is a great starting point. All right. It's much harder to develop completely new capabilities, but working with what you've already got, you know, and then the second thing that you're good at in the right context is discipline back to services, et cetera, and, you know, the armed forces and that type of stuff. It's not in all situations, as you said, you still haven't booked a Christmas meal. <laughs> but, but it's <laughs> like when something this. is important and you take on board a real challenge, you know, you literally got into a, a, a routine of baby steps, lots of baby steps that kept you on that track. So, you know, everyone has to work out what's right for me, as you say, and then comes the whole piece about, how do I get there? Yeah. And sometimes you have to be quite flexible on the how do I get there stuff. If you believe in it, you'll find other ways. You know, I believe in like an emergent approach. Yes, yeah, start with a plan by all means. But when you start, you may find out new things and your plan may have yeah. to change. But if you believe in the ultimate goal, you'll find a way. Yeah. So for anyone who does feel like they have failed in some sense against something they're trying to achieve, what emotions are at play there and how what impact does that have on us in terms of our well, health, well-being, performance? Yeah, I mean, the ones that jump to mind are things like shame and, and sadness. You know, shame in the sense of, you know, you, you may call it guilt, but basically it's like, you know, God, you know, I said I'd do this and I've let myself down again, you know. 
um, and they're probably equally concerned about the fact that they've let themselves down in the eyes of others. Okay, sadness because you know, you know, there, there I go, tried again, still haven't got anywhere. You know, what's the matter with me? And and the point is, what's the matter with people is they probably haven't chosen the right challenge. You know, you've got to go back to how fundamentally do you want to improve your life? You know, yeah. don't look for quick solutions. Come up with something that you know will really matter, whether it's five years hence, 10 years hence, you know, maybe it's shorter than that, but don't be afraid of that and, and go for it and trust your brain and your body because if you really believe, it'll continue to search for ways to get there. It's when you just think something up at this transactional or, or cognitive level, so it's just a mental process, that doesn't go deep enough. You know, our roots are in our emotions and our instincts that are down in the body. And that's where the power yeah. is. So that's why, you know, our thoughts, emotions, and instincts have to be aligned when we're trying yeah. to move forward on a, on a significant challenge. Yeah. And although I don't know if I agree with these sort of number of days before change is embedded, it certainly did get easier. Yeah. The more I, you know, the more I implemented the same change. Of course. The less resistance I faced each time. I still faced resistance, yeah. but it got easier and easier and easier to manage that resistance, which made me believe that change was being embedded. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I've seen that in, in other contexts as well, like responses to life, you know, so something that would have made me angry, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, five years ago, I've practiced different responses to that over the period of time. And now I don't get that response. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if I do get it, I can control it and manage it very quickly. Yeah. Um, because I've embedded a new response Um through that change absolutely process. and the so, more you use it the more familiar it becomes so the brain sees a new yeah. level of familiarity and so it sort of thinks okay yeah. i can use that that's not too hard work yeah and it feels safe doing that yeah precisely yeah no excellent okay well f- thanks for that club i think you know just to summarize there then really it's you know about making change something that you really believe in setting out a plan of action for that that is manageable small steps and realistic for you Making it non-negotiable was really important to me. And I think it is, you know, it's that non-negotiable, this is definitely what I want to do. I've thought about it and I'm committed to it. Planning it and also celebrating where you have been successful on that journey and accepting and learning from any setbacks or if you want to use the word failures along the way. And if you can have an accountability partner, I think that that helped me enormously. Yeah. Um, I self-coached through it, but I had that accountability partner of the public, I suppose, and the sponsors yeah. um, to keep me going. And I, I think that makes a fundamental difference as well to, to achieving change, but also to managing failure. Because when you talk about these things with other people, often it isn't as bad as it seems. <laughs> no, I agree. And it's, that's why things like support groups are so important, aren't they? You know, for people yeah. facing big challenges, it's just to know you're not on your own. There are other people yeah. struggling with the same things. Excellent. And yet the other advice would be don't wait till the new year. Yeah, no, no, any time. Yeah, any time is fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's another excuse. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Oh, well, it's been lovely talking to you again, Clive. We'll be back again soon with another podcast on an interesting subject. So any questions, um, any topics that you'd like covered, please let us know at info at trymakingsense.com. And I look forward to catching up with you all again next time. Thank you. Bye.